May we share in the word of the Lord this morning, in the name of God, whose Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. It's a lovely day today, isn't it? After the storm yesterday, the sun is shining, it's a bit cooler, and it is a lovely day. And I guess it's a lovely day for us to have a bit of a conversation. So I would want to invite us, those who would like to, just as Charles is doing, if you would want to move from your seat where you're seated, and just move to sit next to someone whom you probably did not come with today this morning, and just, just, just sit with them for a minute, and then I will issue the next set of instructions. Just, just move around, sit next to someone else. You don't have to, if you would want to, just sit to someone different, um, and then, um, yeah, just someone different. Um, yes, lovely, great. Yeah, mix up, lovely. Great. Yeah? You really don't have to move around, but if you want to, that would be lovely. Um, yeah, there's still some seats at the front. Um, you're being very good Anglicans, avoiding the very front seats, aren't you? Um, yeah, great. So it's a conversation that you're going to have at the beginning of um, this sermon today. And I just want you to turn to the person sat next to you and ask, ask them the question, who are you? Just that. Just have a chat about that. Who are you? Just have a chat. Just have a chat. You may want now to switch for the other person to respond, or maybe you might have just finished, but you might want to switch for the next person to respond to the same question. Who are you? Great. I suppose we have had loads of answers to this question. I would want to suppose someone must have said to you, I am James. That would be very weird if someone said to you because I think I'm the only James in this congregation. But um, I would want to assume that someone told them, told you their name. How many people were told the name? Yeah? Okay. Some people might have gone even to the extent of saying what they do. How many, were, how many of the responses were told what the other person does? Right, okay. You see, this is such an open-ended question that is very difficult to answer. But at the heart of this question is an interrogation of our identity. And how we respond to this question, who are you, may be as a result of quite a number of things. Self-awareness, we know who we are. It could be social projections. 
or it could just be a combination of both, self-awareness and societal projections. Of course, self-awareness is, you know, we know who we are, we know our strengths, we know our limitations, we know our giftings, and we are very comfortable um, in that. Societal projections to this question is, well, this is what the society expects us, how to answer this question. I will tell you my name, I will tell you what I do. If we had a little more time, I will probably tell you where, where I live. And I will probably tell you a little bit about my story, my background, how I ended up where I am today. You're so wired to just respond in that way, in one way or the other. And mostly, we do combine these two aspects, self-awareness and this societal projection to answer this question. And as we respond to this question, we may say one word, but that word is very coded. Just one word. And it goes further to explain so many other things that are unsaid. It will be quite interesting for us to sit down and reflect of the just two minutes we had, having conversation with each other, how much information we may just have had from the other person without them saying so much. They probably just said one word and so many things rushed into your mind. I will not ask you to raise up your hands to just say the things that rushed into your minds after that person just said that one word. And you see, some of those things, some of these projections, and some of these codes, they are saddled with prejudice and sometimes with expectations. You see, for me, since I moved to this country, um, I do frequently go back home to, to Kenya. And most often when I go back to Kenya, um, because some people do know that I live in the UK now, one of the questions that people would ask me is, do you know so-and-so who lives in the UK? <laughs> well, someone actually once asked me whether I knew um, the late Her Majesty the Queen. I was like, well, I really do wish I knew her. She was such an important and amazing lady. And vice versa as well. It so happens here. Um, I do get asked whether I know someone who lives in Kenya, um, of which, um, yeah, there are 55 million people there. There is no way that I could be able to know everyone. But again, it is just that expectation of me just saying where I live, and out of that flows so, so much. And these expectations and these spill on into even other things. The moment we speak about our gender or how we would want to be referred to in terms of our gender, unfortunately, that comes as well with other expectations. In terms of profession as well, you mention your profession and all of a sudden, you have given someone a lot of information about yourself. You mention about your heritage, and all of a sudden, someone has this information. And this has been made worse in this world that we live in, where there is advertising everywhere. 
in an attempt to make sales, it not only sometimes reinforces some of these societal expectations, but for us, it also makes us feel inadequate if we shortfall of this expectation. Think of all those advertisements that reinforce gender stereotypes, loads of them. I'm really glad that the government has gone ahead to really put a lot of pressure on those who um, do commercials to be quite careful in terms of re reinforcing these um, gender stereotypes. But how often have we seen an advertisement suggesting that men are incapable of looking after children? We are very capable. I can tell you that from experience. Look at Wambo. <laughs> how many times have we seen an advertisement just showing a woman looking after the children and the man doing the DIY? Think about the advertisements as well that go further to tell us about image, trying to redefine what beauty is, trying to tell us what success is all about, telling us, look at the person who is at your age. This is what they ought to have at this point. Do you have it? All this just trying to amplify our inadequacies. Pushing all those societal expectations upon ourselves. Well, this week, the Bishop of Gloucester, Bishop Rachel, took young people from two secondary schools from the diocese um, to the House of Lords to have a conversation with MPs, peers, um, academics, charity representative businesses on the impact of social media and advertising on the identity, and especially, specifically, on young people. And it was quite an interesting um, conversation. The videos are on YouTube. Um, you could just Google them and you will see how young people just express how social media has negatively impacted their understanding of the image. But what was quite interesting is that from all these conversations, there were some statistics that were shared. One that was really, really scary. Say that 60% of girls opt out of everyday activities because of how they think they look. And around half of adolescent boys are unhappy with their body. All this because of projection. And of course, we could sit here and say, well, I'm not an adolescent, am I? You know, I've been around for a while. You know, um, this does not impact me, does it? But doesn't it, really? Not might be about image, but it might be about all other societal aspects that a person of your age, this is what is expected of you and it is really amplified if you fall short of these expectations. And it is true that these expectations, which are reinforced by advertising, take a toll on us. They not only affect our day-to-day -day life, just as the statistics have told us about young girls, but it also affects 
our identity, who we think we are. Well, we are in church. It's a sermon, however, so we need to speak about the gospel, don't we? About the Bible. Our readings this morning speak of something akin to that. We start reading our gospel reading from Matthew, hearing Jesus Christ giving this conversation, sharing this conversation about expectations. People are playing music and expecting others to dance, but they did not dance. People are wailing, expecting others to mourn, they did not. John the Baptist came and he lived his life and people pushing projections on them, on him, saying that he has a demon. Jesus Christ comes and does the other thing. And they say, oh, goodness me, he's just a friend of the tax collectors. What is he doing? There is no easy way out. Either way, these things are projected unto us. You try to do this, you think it's good, but still there is criticism to it. And so in our lives, we do face all these projections. So many things are cast onto us. And these things become quite a burden to us. One that is so heavy, once we realize we cannot be able to meet all these expectations. Paul himself, in his letter to the Romans, continues to say that, what is it that I can do? When I try to do this, I cannot be able to do it. To the point that he continues to say, and he said, that very amazing phrase that um, I'm so glad Mike read it so powerfully. Wretched man that I am. That, oh goodness me, what can I do? Jesus Christ, writer of the Gospel of Matthew, was writing and speaking to a context. A context to who the law had become a burden to them. The more they tried to fulfill it, the more it became quite difficult to fulfill it. But I thank God for what Paul goes on to say in that statement. And he asks, who will rescue me from this body of death? And he continues to say, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus Christ comes as a fulfillment of the law, that which we were meant to fulfill, he himself fulfills. All those expectations that were upon us, Jesus takes them upon himself and fulfills all these expectations. And through Jesus, in Jesus, we ourselves become accepted. We ourselves become members of the family of God. We ourselves fulfill the law. And Jesus Christ, you know, continues to say and gives that illustration of that text that we do know, asking people, come to me, all you who are weary, weary of all these expectations, weary of these burdens that you have carried, and I will give you rest. And his rest is this aspect of him being able to fulfill the law, to be able to be the one who takes the burden for us. And he continues to talk about and give this illustration about um, the, the yoke. And sometimes, you know, as I read the, the scripture, you know, I, I do try to be as imaginative as, as, as possible. Um, as I was reflecting upon this, I, I remember that, you know, Jesus is 
father had a profession. He was a carpenter, wasn't he? This is me again projecting, so forgive me. Um, so Jesus Christ was potentially also a carpenter, wasn't he? Um, and um, the yokes themselves, they were built um, of wood. So Jesus knew quite well probably how to build them. So when he's talking about take my yoke, which is easy, he knows physically what this is all about. Furthermore, he used to be able to make them. And the thing about being yoked together with Jesus Christ, taking his yoke, is for us to be able to have a point of reference. I am made to understand that at that particular time that people used to farm with animals, animals will be yoked together and you will potentially put one which is a very, very strong animal together with one that was not really so strong. And the strong one was to pull and be able to teach the other one how to be able to do the work. And we taking the yoke of Jesus Christ is us having that point of reference, who is Jesus Christ. So that as we are yoked with him, and when the law condemns us, and the law comes and signifies and amplifies our inability to fulfill the law, we look at Jesus and we are reminded that he is indeed the fulfillment of the law. When the world looks at us and projects all these things about our image, we look at Jesus Christ who is by our side and we are reminded that we are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. When we are reminded of our shortcomings and our past, we look at Jesus and we are reminded of our future, that future that is together with him. When we are reminded of our shortcomings, we look at Jesus and we are reminded of his grace. When we are reminded of our weaknesses, we look to Jesus and we are reminded that in him we are strong. When we are reminded of our infirmities, we look at Jesus and we are reminded that God sent his word and we were made whole. What a lovely thing to be reminded of all these things with Jesus. So as I conclude, I don't know whether the answer to the question we asked earlier on has changed. Who are you? Maybe it's still the same. Of course, there are so many expectations, so many projections that burden us. But may we take the yoke of Jesus Christ that will always be reminding us of who we are in Jesus Christ. Because in Jesus Christ, we are children of God. Amen.